Now we got sound. Now we're. <laughs> it's a little tough doing the job of five different people back there. Thank you for joining us. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining us for worship. And um, we're going to start with singing 129 Amazing Grace. We'll sing the first and the fourth verse, and then we'll be led in prayer. Dear Lord, we're thankful to be here today, thankful to come together as a family to worship you. Father, we uh, know of your love and your mercy. We know how it's shaped each one of our lives. Like the song said, we were, uh, we were wretches. We, uh, your amazing grace has, has changed our lives. Uh, we're thankful that, we've, uh, that it's such good news that it's spread to sometimes our families and to our friends and it's, it's affected them. Father, we help us to Help us to bring honor to your name. Help us to spread it far and wide. Help us to spread it to uh, situations where it's needed drastically. Uh, we're thankful for those who, who work in the field constantly to do it, whether it's, whether it's just being around people or whether they're there to share the gospel message, to share your, your, your story from the Bible. Uh, Father, we ask for your blessings on Campion McGuini, Ayrton, Agrippa and Peter in Zimbabwe and the work that they do over there. That they continue to reach the people uh, in Mutari, that they continue to uh, reach the people in the prisons, those who are, are hungry, those who uh, need your grace. Father, we ask for your blessings on Dennis and the work that he does in Nicaragua. We know that he reaches out to families that are in the community, but sometimes it's a little hard to, to be able to get together as a, as a big family, as a church, to, to worship together, to study together. We know the effective work that, that Dennis does there. We ask that you continue to bless him. Father, continue to bless Barry uh, Rosie. Uh, we're thankful to hear the, the good news that his knee is much better, that he's done with the, uh, the therapy, and he can get back to uh, 
spreading, spreading the good news. Well, we've seen his, his effective work over the years in four different countries, and we're thankful that he's there in Mali and the difference that he can make. Continue to bless Gary Wider in the Florida Prison Ministry, and uh, as that continues to transition, uh, we ask for your blessings on the brothers who pick up that work, then they uh, continue to reach people who the world would quite honestly forget about, and just just as soon never share the good news with them. But we're thankful for the good the good news is shared with them and the difference it makes. Father, we're uh, we're thankful for the the healing that we've seen here. We're thankful to have Peter with us tonight. We're thankful that you watched over him, that you put him in a place where they could, uh, the therapy and the, the treatment there could get him back upon his feet. Father, we're thankful f that you've been involved every step of the way with that. Father, we're thankful to see Shad this morning. It was uh, terrible news to hear that he had blood clots in his legs and his lungs. I did not expect to see him this morning, but he was here. Uh, probably even pressed it too hard, changing out the flowers and stuff here, but um, we're thankful that you're, you're there. Father, we, uh, we ask you for your blessings on uh, William to continue to watch over him, help him with his eye. The eye has bothered him for a good long time. and It, it slows him down. Uh, it's hard to slow William down, to be honest, he, uh, but it does. And uh, we ask that you continue to heal his eye and get him back up on his feet. Father, um, be with those who, who struggle with mental issues. They, they struggle with a connection to the world, which... Although they, they love you and have a reach out to you, we know that sometimes that the world just pulls just uh, pulls hard. The author of confusion, the author of lies, he does that. We ask that you bless them with, with strong hearts, strong will, to uh, always pull closer to you and try to put that away. Father, we ask that you be with us this week. Help us to be thankful for the world we live in thankful for the freedoms that we have, thankful for our for love and mercy and family, family as you can get it, whether it's blood or whether it's just people who are tight-knit like family. Father, we uh, continue to ask for your blessings. We ask for your love and forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we set our minds on the Lord's Supper and that sacrifice that was made on our behalf, let us sing, God is so good. We'll sing the first, second, and third verses.
Before we pray and partake of the Lord's Supper, I want to want to read some passages from Psalm 22. This is understood to be prophetic words that David probably wrote himself, but which we now understand were prophetic of what Christ was going to endure on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men, and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag the head, saying, Commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, because he delights in him. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. For dogs have surrounded me, a band of evildoers has encompassed me. I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. I will tell of thy name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise thee. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. Let us pray. Father, help us to, to take a moment to examine ourselves, examine our hearts, to understand that, that we really aren't worthy of the, the privilege that you gave us to come and be here before you today, to have our sins forgiven, to be washed clean by the blood of the, the one that you gave as a sacrifice and who gave himself. Father, as we partake of the bread, help us to, to consider the body that was sacrificed so that our sins could be forgiven. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Father, we know that unfortunately that the shedding of blood was necessary and not, not just any blood, but the innocent blood was necessary for the forgiveness of our sins. Help us to, to think about as, as we contemplate passages that were, were just read, how that his blood began being shed from the first trial when somebody struck him on the mouth. He was scourged. We know about the crown of thorns. We know how rough the cross was on his back. We know that he probably was bruised and bled even more as he fell so many times carrying the cross up the hill. The nails in his hands and his feet. And finally, the spear 
that took the last of his blood so that we could be forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name, his name, that we pray. Amen. Truly separate and apart from the Lord's Supper. <laughs> Wondered why everybody was so quiet. <laughs> we know we have the boxes back here. Place our contribution. Let's pray as we consider what to give. Lord, we know that you're a generous God. You're so good to us. Sometimes it's more strikes us more than others when we think about it. It's really every, every breath that we take is a gift from you, a symbol of your love, your, your genius, and the way that you created us, the purpose that you gave us. Father, we know that everything that you give to us is really created to give back to you. So Father, help us to, to have the right heart as we write a check Pull some cash out of our wallet to give to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand as we sing 827.
All right, so we're continuing our sermon series on the prayer life of Jesus. And tonight, specifically, we're going to talk about what he prayed. We talked about when he prayed. We talked about how he instructed us to pray this morning. And tonight, we're going to talk about actually what he prayed. So, for those of you who were here last Sunday night, in order to not be redundant, I'm not going over every single time Jesus prayed exactly every single word he said. Okay? Because we'll be all over the place if we're being honest. So, I wanted to focus on almost every single prayer he ever said. Okay? Um, we're basically leaving out, there's one before Lazarus, um, which we went over in the first um, sermon of the series. It is basically the only main one I can think of that we even left out. So, Matthew 6 is where we're going to start tonight. This is, he's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and um, he says a prayer that I think we all know, most of us even knew probably before we were in the church, if, if we grew up outside the church. Uh, Matthew 6 verse 9 says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I want you to see patterns in what we're, in what Jesus is praying. I want you to see the patterns in what Jesus is praying, because there are a few things that come up over and over and over. Almost every single time Jesus prays in the New Testament, in the Gospels, he says very similar things. So the first one I want you to see in these patterns is that he's saying God's will over my will. God's will over my will. And we're going to see that multiple different times. And I'm going to explain that to you multiple different ways um, tonight. But just remember that one. God's will over my will, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? And then also, forgive, forgive us and deliver us, right? Those are, those are, that's another pattern you're going to see over and over tonight as we go through his prayers. Forgive us and deliver us. Forgive us and deliver us, right? So deliver and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And if you remember from this morning, he, he finished instructing his prayer by saying, look, you have to forgive others so that God can forgive you, right? You have to have that heart of forgiveness in order to receive the forgiveness from the Lord. And we've talked about that multiple different times over the last few weeks. Okay, Matthew 26. This is one we spent a little bit of extra time on in the first sermon of the series. And this is right before he is... Uh, crucified, I mean, right before he is uh, betrayed and uh, taken um, to be tried and then obviously later crucified. Um, and this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says again for a second time, we know he went three times from the first sermon, again, from, again for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot, pa if, if this can, cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went, this being the third time, saying the same words again. Yet again, we're going to go over this real quick. He is saying, look, what I'm about to face 
If there's another way to accomplish this, I want to be real careful because um, I left uh, last Sunday night and somebody said, are you saying that God didn't want, that Jesus didn't want to save the world? That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is the method, the method. He knows what tomorrow is going to look like, right? He knows when he goes to the cross what it's going to look like. He knows how it's going to uh, scatter his disciples. He knows how it's going to um, be the most painful thing anybody could go through in their life. He knows that he's about to be poured out like a drink offering, and he's not looking forward to it. But he ends with that statement. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. My will is less important than your will. John 17 is the biggest prayer we have of Jesus. So we're going to go through the entire thing. It's actually the entire chapter. I'm going to do it quickly. Um, but I want you to see again, look for those elements we've already talked about. My will, or your will over my will, and forgive us and deliver us. So it starts in verse 1, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. This is actually, he's getting ready to go in Jerusalem, he's getting ready to be betrayed, all that's about to happen. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I, am glor I glorified you on earth, have, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Before the world existed. I want you to think about that. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. So he's not praying for everyone. He's praying specifically for who? Yeah, that's right. The apostles, the disciples. For they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Who is that? Judas. So now we see, there's no debate on who he's talking about. He's talking about his disciples that he's been with every single day since the day he was baptized, right? For those three years before he was crucified, he's talking about them and he says, look, I've guarded them. I have kept them from the evil one. I have made sure. Everyone except for the one that was prophesied about. Everyone except for Judas who was to fulfill 
Scripture. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now look what he says in verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Right? He's not ready to pick the wheat from the weeds. Right? I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. So we add, so we add this third one. This third theme. And it's probably one of the more important ones. And we've actually hit on this a couple different times in a couple different sermons. Um, going through what we're going through in this world. And it just keeps popping up in the scriptures that I'm in right now. And he's saying, look, we want you to be unified the way the Father and the Son are unified. He prays for unity amongst the disciples. He prays for unity amongst the church. To be one like the Father and the Son. Now he's going to switch. So we know for the first almost 20 verses, first 19 verses, he's talking mostly specifically about the disciples that he's been with. Then he says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? That's all of us. That's all the believers who are going to study the Word of God, who are going to study the apostles' teachings, and they're going to come to know God through the Word. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So the last point I think that he makes in this prayer is that we have to love like Jesus and make the gospel known. How do you make the gospel known in this world. Well, to me, there's two really easy ways to make the gospel known in your world, in what surrounds you. First of all, the, if the love of Christ dwells in you, that stands out in this world. Most people love themselves, most people love their family, and that's about where most people's love really ends. Maybe a couple close friends. But as we learned this morning, Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. 
right? Love those who disagree with you. Love those who aren't exactly like you. Love those who you don't gel with right away. Love those who are more difficult to love than most people would avoid. So if we love like Jesus, that's a quick way to make the gospel known. Let me tell you another way that I think is a quick way to make the gospel known. Live it. Live it. Live the gospel. Be Jesus to the best of your ability. We're not perfect. I get it. I say it all the time. I'm the least of all. We're not perfect. But we can live like Jesus. We can be like Jesus. We can live a Christian life. We might not get every single little detail right. But the world can see our difference. The older you get, the more mature you get in your Christianity. Isn't it easier to spot the Christians in the room, whether you know them or not? It's because we've been set apart. It's because even though we're not truly holy by ourselves, we've been sanctified. We've been made holy. Why? Through the blood of Christ. Well, that changes everything. That changes how we view the world. That changes how we think about the world. That changes how we feel about the world. And it shows in the world. He finishes with this. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father. Even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I've made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. See that? And I in them. You know, it's hard to get away from that word love when you're preaching about the gospel and Jesus Christ. Why? Why is that? Because that's his whole legacy. That is his legacy. His legacy is a legacy of love. That's what it was. Right? John 3, 16. Why did God come? Because he loved us. Because he so loved the world. If we're going to be a people that want to make a difference in this world, it starts with how we love each other and how we love those that we don't even know. It's not something that we see that often anymore. You know, the other day I was at the uh, grocery store. And there was an older woman in front of me, and she had an enormous cart, you could tell. You know, she was a little bit nervous about being out. Not, well, I don't blame her. And she, you could tell she had some health complications. She was very, very, I don't want to be rude when I say this, but she was very slow. And she had this big old cart, and you know, there, there, there was part of me that wanted to help, me, help her, and there was part of me that was afraid to try, right? Like I didn't want to encroach on her space. 
I didn't want to make her nervous. But I did ask her. I said, ma'am, if you want me to, I'll help you. Get your stuff out of your cart. Get your stuff back in your cart. I'll even help you unload in your car if you want. You know what she said to me? She said, that's the first time in 40 years somebody's offered to help me. I didn't even know people like you existed anymore. That's what she said to me. She saw a difference in me just simply because I wanted to help her if she was willing to let me. And truth be told, I had ulterior motives. I wanted to get her out of line so I could get through the line, right? But most people in this world would rather complain or, or yell at the management or get another line open. Right? Instead of reaching out in love. Reaching out to help. And I'm telling you that that's the legacy of Jesus. He was willing to help those who could not help themselves. He was willing to help us when we could not help ourselves, right? He was willing to help us out of the love that he had for us, despite all of our weaknesses, all of our flaws, all of our dark spots, all of our valleys in life. You want to make Jesus known? You want to make the gospel known? Live a life of love. Love one another. Love the stranger in the grocery line that's holding up the whole line. Right? Be different than what you see in this world. And through that, you'll make Jesus known. Maybe not the first time you help. But the more you get to know people, the more they see you, the more they interact with you. What, what makes you different? They want to know. So I want to finish with the three prayers that some might debate were prayers. But let me tell you the definition of prayer. Talking to God. And this is Jesus on the cross. He said three very distinct things. And yet again, remember those patterns we've been talking about. The first one he says... Uh, that, there's two other criminals on the cross. This is Luke 23, verse 32. They were led away to be put up to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. You see that? You think Luke just so happened to put that right after the Father forgive them? I mean, he's talking about the people who are crucifying him. He's talking about the people who are gambling over his clothes. Why? They want to take him home and worship him? He's talking about the people who were just spitting on him, the people who were mocking him. He saved others. Go ahead, Jesus, save yourself. But he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive us. Matthew 27. 
It was about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, I've thought about this so many different times. And I think there's a couple things going on here. I don't think you have to agree with me on everything I'm about to say. Because I think this is one of the most difficult scriptures to look at and really fully understand. But I think, one, he's feeling separation. He's never been with sin. But he's bearing the sin of all. So sin is upon him. See, that was to fill, fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. Right? If Jesus isn't perfect, everything is a wash. In the same way, if all of mankind's sin was not put on Jesus on the cross while he's making that sacrifice, everything is a loss too. The other thing that I think is going on right here is, I think for the first time in Jesus' life, he's feeling the weight of sin. It's not just that there's separation, it's Can you imagine being in his position? You ever go through a hard time in your life and you think to yourself or you even pray to God, where are you? I know sometimes that's scary to admit, but if you're willing to admit it, I will tell you something really positive. You're in good company. David said it a ton in the Psalms. Where are you? Why haven't you destroyed them yet? Right? We talked about praying for our enemies this morning. And uh, me and Mike O'Neill were talking after, and he brought that, that exact comment up. That David used to pray all the time to God in his Psalms. Just come and crush my enemies. Just come and do it. Make my enemies a footstool for me. Right? And he was telling me, he thinks Jesus is asking us to step it up. Be even better than that. But I think that's a common thing when somebody's harassing you, when somebody's messing with you, when somebody's making your life uncomfortable or miserable or whatever, threatening you, oppressing you. I think it's a common human element for those of us who believe in God to say, God, where are you? Why are you doing this? Why are you letting this happen to me? Right? Uh, when, when, when you're going through difficulties with health, God, why? Why don't you just heal this situation? Why don't you just make this situation? Why can't this just go away? And I think in the most human moment that we have, better be careful saying this, but I think this is at least one of the most human moments that Jesus has. And he's sitting up on the cross. And in one way, he's saying, where are you? Where are you? I know that makes some people uncomfortable, and that's okay. Like I said, you don't have to agree with everything I'm saying. But if it does make you uncomfortable, look how he finishes it in Luke 23. This is literally what he says with his last breath. He says... Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, I think there's something really heavy going on here. I've got to do a lot more research into this. 
But I do think there's something really heavy going on here. You know, it says that Jesus, being the very nature of God, took on the form of man and humbled himself, right? I think there's something going on here. I think the fate of the Son of God is in the Father's hands. He's going to die. Not because they killed him. Remember, he said this himself. He's the Son of God. He's going to die. Because he was willing to lay down his life for the sheep. But he's also going to be resurrected. Now here's the tricky part. And here's the part where most of us probably will find one way or another to disagree with anybody else's statement in the room. Okay? Did Jesus raise himself from the dead? The Holy Spirit, the Father. See, to me, even in this last moment, in his last dying breath, what I see, whether no matter how you want to rationalize this, explain this, try to figure it out. To me, once again, he's saying, your will over mine. I'm giving myself to you. Even in my last breath, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. You're going to do what you want to do with me. Right? And I find it interesting that he prays, when we already read this a little earlier, but he prays, God, restore me to what I was before the foundation of the world. So if he didn't lose anything, why is he praying that? If something didn't change that had to be restored, why is he praying that? So I got a couple take-homes and we're done. I'm, these are kind of tough. I was feeling a little tough last night when I was writing these take-homes. But the first one is simple, yet tough. You can exalt God with your words. And I think that's something we easily do. There is no other God, right? There is no one greater than God. God is all-powerful, all-knowing. We can, we can exalt God with our words, but the only way those words have meaning is if you exalt God with your will. Right? It's the same thing James said, just in a different way, right? Faith without works is what? dead. You can exalt God with your words all you want. If you don't exalt God in your will, those words don't have meaning. Now let me, let me say this as plainly as I can. No one's saying you have to do that perfectly. But if you never do it at all, how are you any different from anybody else? Right? He says, I love how he starts the prayer, um, the Lord's Prayer. He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Y'all know what hallowed means? It means holy. You know what holy means? It means set apart. You know what? You know why God's name is set apart? You know why? Because it's the name above all names. There is no other name that compares to it. There is no other name that can be put beside it. 
You can exalt him with your words, but if you don't exalt him in your will, those words can, are pretty much meaningless. And I will say this too, I think that is the journey of life. I don't think that's something you accomplish before you get baptized, right after you get baptized, or even maybe the day you die. Second take-home point is this. We can trust that the Father forgives us because the Son has delivered us. Now, I, I was uh, talking to a friend the other day. And that friend, he was telling me about how, you know, life has hills and valleys, right? Life has our ups and then it has our downs. And what he was talking to me about was he was in a down part of his life. He knew he needed to get right, but he was in a down part of his life. And he felt extremely guilty going to the Father in this down point in life, right? He knows there's a lot of things going on in his life that God doesn't approve of, that he's doing anyway. And he knows that. He feels that. He wants to get right with the Lord, but he doesn't feel right. Excuse me. <coughs> he doesn't feel right talking to God in the state that he's in. You ever feel like that? It's like, hold on, I can't pray for forgiveness. I can't pray to repent. I can't pray to acknowledge what's going wrong with me until I've overcome it. Does that even make sense? Isn't he the helper? Isn't he the one that's actually overcome? Isn't he the one that's defeated sin? Isn't he the one that gave us victory over death? I think that's the guy you want to lean on. But I think it's, again, a common feeling that we all have because of our own remorse, because of our own guilt, because of our own shame when we're going through things in our life that we know we need to get rid of, but we haven't figured out how to really get them out of our life yet. That's a trick of the devil. To make you feel like you got no one to turn to. To keep you where you're at. Remember, we were talking about how God does know everything we're thinking. God does know everything we're going to say, but he still prefers us to acknowledge it, right? He still wants us to acknowledge it. Why? Because I know what I'm doing wrong before I'm ever willing to admit it. But once I admit it, what does that mean? Now I'm on my way to recovery. So you can trust the Father is going to forgive you. Because the Son delivered you over 2,000 years ago. Sin has no hold on you. You might hold on to sin, but sin has no hold on you. The third one is, uh, as I, I couldn't think of any cleverer way or any uh, deeper way to say it, because it's just the simple truth. We need to be unified like the Father and the Son. They were one. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now look, we're human. I could ask 10 questions right now, and we've got 30 people in the room, and we'd probably, we could get, if I asked the right questions, we'd probably get 30 different answers. Okay? We don't all have the exact same mind. We don't all have the exact same experience in life. We don't all come from the exact same place. We're not all cut from the exact same cloth. But you know what we do have? 
the same word, the same example, the same truth, the same love. And we need to be unified in those things. We focus far too much, not just in our culture, not just in this world, but even in our churches, in the world of Christianity, we spend a lot of time focusing on our differences and not spending time in our strengths and the things that we can be unified on. And then the last one, which I've already said once, I'll say it one more time. The world will come to know Christ and the gospel when we spread our love to the world. That is what breaks down barriers. That is what breaks down strongholds of evil in people's lives and their hearts. That is what shows and reveals the lies of the world to people who are seeking the truth. God's love. Think about your own life. What led you to him? What changed your trajectory? What made you seek him? Was it fear of death or the love, forgiveness, grace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? You see, I know. I know who I am. And I know I need a lot of grace. I know the Lord needs to be patient with me. I know that I rely on him forgiving me. I know that no matter how much I try, there's going to be something in my life that I'm not going to do right. I'm going to mess up, even on my best day. That's why I love him. That's why I love him. There's nothing else like him. He is the one, right? that could cast the first stone on all of us. And he's the only one that refuses to do it. See, I don't love him because I'm afraid of hell. I love him because I don't want to miss out on heaven. So I'll end by saying this. Jesus came to save the world because he loved us. And you know when he loved us? When you figured it all out? When did he die for us? When you figured it all out? No, he loved you before you were even born. He loved you and knew you before you even walked one day on this earth. He spent time with you in the secret place before you ever experienced what this world was. In Romans 5, again, my favorite chapter in the Bible, makes it clear when he'd die for you. When you're at your worst, incapable of helping yourself, enemies of God, powerless because you were slaves to sin, that's when he died for you. You don't have to get right to come to the Lord. You come to the Lord because you're not right. And he'll get you right. So if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do that tonight. For those of us who have, I pray our prayer is like Jesus's. I pray we pray these same things. And I pray we live a life that stands firm 
and the truth of God's word. And we seek to be united with one another and not look to divide over difference of opinion. If there's any reason to respond to the invitation tonight, you can come as we stand and sing. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, each of you, for being here. I have a few reminders. First of all, uh, this Wednesday night, instead of our normal classes, we're going to be having a devotional. The, the theme of that devotional will be on thankfulness. I would encourage you to be here. You know, that is the day before Thanksgiving, in case you didn't realize that. Uh, and I think that will set a, a, a tone for each of us in our thankfulness. Also, uh, for many years, we have uh, been providing gifts for the people at the Mount Dora Christian Home. We received the list of names today. If uh, you would like to have one, they're on the table in the foyer. Uh, and if you wish more information about that, you can see Camille Hunter. An update on some of our sick. Isaac White is having some very serious problems. Uh, we need to pray for him. He's going through a lot of tests to try to determine what to do about those problems. As was mentioned in the prayer, William Sands' uh, shunt in his eye has stopped up. Uh, he's having a lot of problems with that. He's gone back on a medication that I know he did not want to go on to. It makes him sleepy. and. Uh, he can't do all the things that he wants to do with that. So please pray for him as well. We're also glad that Peter Florence is able to be with us tonight, as was mentioned in the prayer as well. And I just want to pass something on to you. On the way in, I heard Peter say, this is the first place he's been since uh, starting his recovery from his terrible motorcycle accident. 
And I said, I think that says a whole lot about Peter. Thank you. And before we're dismissed, let us stand as we sing 852. 852. Let us stand, please. We'll sing when the roll is caught up yonder. We'll sing the first verse. everyone who's here for bringing us together in love help us to to learn to be your people to be forgiving and to be drawn closer together to each other and especially to you please be with the church here at North Brevard I pray in Jesus name Amen.